You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. So our session was titled, and it's a long one, just so you know, Leading Edge ABM, Delivering Bespoke Account Experiences Through Every Buying Stage at Scale. Key pieces at scale. I'll be monitoring the chat, just so you guys know. So I'll monitor the chats as until it's my time to speak and, and, and interrupt, obviously, Lisa all the way through as I can. I like to do that. So without further ado, what I'll do is I'll hand it off to Lisa and uh, we'll get going. Go ahead. All right. Thanks, James. So yeah, as James said, long title, but you'll understand it more as we get through the details here. I will mention I was at MindTickle when we did this presentation, but I am no longer there and I'm starting a new gig on Monday. So you guys are first <laughs> to know I've, I've um, not formally announced anywhere else, but I'm taking a CMO role at BoostUp. So super pumped about that. But I, I mean, this is kind of the culmination of other lots of experiences that I've had put together. So anyway, it shouldn't like derail the presentation too much. So with that, I'm just going to talk through like, I have spent so much time in my career mapping journeys. I don't know about you guys, but um, this was one of the exercises I went through at a primo and like, I'm really glad I took these <laughs> uh, photos of it because I mean, it's a panoramic here, but like literally every wall in the room, we had printouts and we were just going through this journey experience again and again and again, like trying to refine it, trying to make it better, but also trying to figure out like what was working and what wasn't working. And I mean, to the point where it was just painful. So at that point, you know, we, we did some win loss analysis and the biggest thing that came out of that win loss analysis for us at, at that time was that we were getting into deals too late. So it was kind of the wrong timing, but these are some other things that I've seen come up a lot and you probably have too. So, you know, people don't want to fill out forms anymore. No one wants to be cold called or spammed. And if they're not ready, if it's too early or they're too late, like you're missing the sweet spot, it's, you're miss, you know, it's not going to happen or you're getting the wrong content to the wrong person at the wrong time. So these are all, again, the biggest things that were coming up. And so I was like, you know, we just need a way to create this always on experience that will really sync with the buyer's needs. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of research and seeing stats like being more prescriptive can increase your customer's purchase ease by 86%. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's great. But how do you do that? Right? So Here's what we started doing. Took all those great journeys that we'd put together and I put it into this eye chart matrix. Um, and this is like the condensed version, right? But the concept was I was able to kind of map out each stage in the journey, what their goals were, what are the channels that I'm in, you know, how they should, how they feel. This is blocked, you can't see it, but how they feel going in what we want them to experience and how we want them to feel. And then what is the content and messaging at that point and how are we measuring it? 
And I also had this whole persona matrix thing behind the scenes. And then we had all this content matrix that like cross referenced everything. So, I mean, like I said, I am like simplifying this and it's still an eye chart, but hopefully you get the idea that like this was mapped out to really understand who we're talking to, what their pain points were, what they wanted at that stage in their journey so that we could meet their needs. And then from there, we started doing these kind of one-off account-based motions. And it was like with all of this in mind, but it was painful. I mean, we did get from 9% to 40% conversion rates from the top of funnel close one. So it was like huge results. I'm like, all right, we're in the right direction. We're doing it. But it is like one off hand holding like a grind. There is no way to scale it. We've got to find a better way to do it now that we know it's going to work. Right. So I'll actually, I'll just, I'll pause here, James, enter James. Do you have any thoughts here? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that when you're doing stuff like this, I mean, I think the biggest piece was it's just the manual nature of it, right? When you're doing one-to-one and it's heavy lift, that's where the, the piece that Lisa was like struggling with. And when, when we got together, it was interesting because uh, which I'll share a little, few a little later, but this I think was sort of the aha for like, look, we've got to get something that's going to be easy to use and scale. And it can't be, I've got to design everything one at a time. I mean, you're, you're going to kill your design team first of all, and your marketing ops team, but which yeah. I know you did. <laughs> so, <laughs> but by the way, congrats on nine to 40%, right? That's a huge, that's yeah. huge. Right. Well, and the great thing about this too, was we could, we proved it out. Right. So then we started to get buy-in, buy-in from sales, buy-in from the leadership team, buy-in from our board. Like this will work, but we need you to invest in it. So Dun, 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 like enter three years later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'll say like, at, this is at a primo, right? We went from the nine to 40%. And then we did bring in six cents. And a big part of that was because we wanted the intent data and we wanted to be able to scale our ABM. And the intent data really allowed us to start to see what was going on at each stage in the journey, what were people searching for and who was even in market. And then there's predictive modeling that aligns with that, that says, all right, you've had this much engagement from this many people in this account on this many channels. This is the stage that, you know, we're predicting that these accounts are in. So that allowed me to take off the forms and stop lead scoring and start looking at things at an account level. And so Basically, I got rid of the lead scoring funnel and I went to an account-based funnel. Everyone's kind of got their own version of this, but this is like our sideways funnel now. (laughs) And we're looking at taking any leads that do come in. So I'm still looking at people at an individual level, but I need to map them to accounts, right? Because the AEs are going to try to close accounts. So we need to look at, are those accounts engaged or is this a one-off thing? Are they in our ICP fit? Do they meet the criteria to be a good prospect for us? All of these things get looked at. And so everything that's coming in, accounts or leads are all getting mapped in this predictive model to this engaged account number or metric and criteria. And then if they are, 
then we were actually enriching those accounts. And if we could get enough account information, we were calling them a qualified account, a marketing qualified account, and handing them off to sales to start working. So again, it wasn't like, ooh, finger in the wind. Okay, I'm giving 30 points for this form fill on this white paper. It was all engagement um, and predictive modeling that was happening. And it was all being handled by this technology running in the back of things. So, And you're going against the grain, don't forget. Because uh, remember, Gartner, by the way, and Craig Rosenberg, right? when we were at this session, yeah. they're talking about this double funnel. And we're like, the double funnel doesn't work. Why would you want to double up and have two funnels? So, and he's yeah. talking like six funnels, but anyway, it was, uh, this was a, a yet another work kind of leases a little bit probably further out in terms of what marketers are looking at is how do you simplify, right? Because the idea is all these leads out there are not just people, right? But these people work for companies. So, and you may have five leads come in, you know, why work five completely separate leads, understand do all five of these people work at the same company? Because if they do, you probably want to have one person talk to them and have that same story and understand what their needs are. And, uh, and have the conversation on that. So that was sort of the discussion because when we heard the Gartner presentation, we're like, well, we're really going against what Gartner's talking us for sure at this point. So another fun, uh, another fun anecdote we learned at the event. Yeah, and I have to say, I mean, some people even within my organization might argue that we really had a double funnel, but I'm gonna say at the end of the day, if an account if a lead came in and it did not map to an account that was in market that met our ICP fit that was showing intent, it wasn't getting passed on. And yes, again, we are still looking at this individual is a CRO and they were searching for ramp time. So this is the experience and the content and the messaging we're going to align to this. And this same per or the same account their sales enablement person was also engaged, but they were looking for, I don't know, enablement tools or something, right? So you're going to approach each of those people differently, but you're still looking at it as an, at an account level. And even knowing that like two people in the account are engaged is really valuable if you're a salesperson coming in, trying to get a conversation to be able to kind of play off of, hey, looks like you guys are looking. I even saw your CRO was looking. And sometimes a sales enablement person might not even know that. And it's like, oh, he is. All right. Yeah, maybe I should take a call with you guys, right? So anyway, the more information you can gather, the better. But you need to know what's happening at the account level because the account ultimately is the one you've got to convince enough people in that account to make the decision to buy it. So. So another thing that I had to do in order to get this set up is really organize the team around this concept. And I know a lot of companies still have a siloed account-based marketing team that are focusing on account-based marketing, and then they have their rest of their marketing team doing all this other stuff. And I'm not a fan of that. Again, same thing with the double funnel. Like you're all generating man. We're all trying to win these accounts. It all maps to our revenue objectives. We should be rowing the same boat together, right? I just, I just think it's so overcomplicated to have all these little teams trying to do all these separate motions. 
especially when you're small, I mean, maybe when you're bigger, you can manage all that. But again, I don't know. I mean, if you're still trying to win accounts, like why wouldn't you just align everyone to do it? And then I'm just kind of breaking it down by like, these are the things that are your core responsibilities and your role. Um, but ultimately everyone's demand gen and everything's account-based. So happy to talk more on the side about that because that's like a whole nother shift and yeah, it takes totally. time. <laughs> like moving mountains internally, especially internally, right? I mean, you're talking about organizational shifts and people's jobs and everything else. So, Yeah, I mean, and the thing is for the most part, most roles, it's an easy transition. There's sometimes a few like old school, you know, that just can't get their head around it. But um, like when I came into Mindtickle, I had around 25 people on the team and I eliminated the demand gen person of all the people on that list <laughs> because it was the only person who didn't get it. And if he did, it would have been an easy transition to have him own it. But he was so stuck in the lead scoring ways. And, you know, there was some other issues <laughs> like no UTM parameters. Like, you know, there was <laughs> <laughs> he's not measuring basically. Some problems, cool. right? So, um, you know, it just it was more the maturity that was the problem. It wasn't the person. It's an easy transition if you can make the leap. So anyway, going back to that matrix then. Once you get a really good sense of like, here's the themes that we want to be driving in market, like here's the major talk track, key thought leadership campaigns we need to be running. Then what I've done is break it out by stage. And again, there's more to it because you want to have your different personas layered in there. Um, but you need to create enough content and the right experience then to have it all stood up by stage. And then basically you can, like for example, and this is mostly display ads that I'm showing here that are top of funnel that are driving people, display organic, social blogs, nurture emails, webinars, et cetera, that would drive people to this landing page, but come getting further down funnel, I have a whole nother set of display ads created for the same campaign, but it's different messaging. It's later stage messaging, it's proof points, it's social proof, it's X account improved X percent because of this and it takes you to a different landing page or whatever. So, you know, just thinking through the journey, you've gotta have the content created and, and ready to go and pull from to then be able to create this always on experience, right? And then you've got to have like the right metadata and your tagging and everything set up to work, right? And then you can integrate the technology part to help scale it. Yeah. So I'll pause here for a minute. <laughs> yeah, and I think, um, I, you know, and I'll stop my chat because I was chatting. So I'll, <laughs> so, um, Technology, I think, is is sort of the key piece of this because it's the foundation where all the clicks land, right? Whether you're sending out an ad, you're sending out an email, you know, people are clicking on a keyword or whatever to get to your site. What Lisa did, and, and I saw one of the questions earlier, right? Did you have a list curated? So yes, she's got a list of accounts she's going after. Again, knowing that they fit in the ICP, they're in market, all that kind of good stuff. 
what Lisa and sort of why this whole thing came about was she came and we were talking and it was basically, actually might've been this time last year. Um, we were talking this time last year and, and she said, look, I want to, I, we're going to do one-to-one. We're going to do one-to-many. We've got the technology that's going to help her go do that. But what she said was what I need to be able to do is I want to be able to offer dynamically experiences to accounts that are in market at any particular stage. So in this case, saying the sixth sense stages, right? So you've got awareness, consideration, decision, purchase. So she built sort of two pages, right? And said, I want, I want it to be automatic. I don't want to have to decide where they're going to go because sixth sense may say overnight, you know, this person in this account came in and they basically changed the next day to, you know, a completely different stage. Maybe they went to from awareness, consideration to decision purchase unbeknownst to them, right? At the end of the day, and, and you don't want to be on some long nurture path. What you want to be able to do is have that stuff dynamically. So what we were able to do is sort of build something for Lisa that allows her to go do that. But at the same time, still being able to offer this whole one-to-one experience for her accounts that she cares about that are really later stage, you're trying to basically accelerate into obviously a deal, right? In this case, so the example being, right, this is uh, my going after Adobe. Everything on this page can be dynamically done. So even if you build one page, that whole banner image, text, all that content can change by the account, as well as the account rep card, obviously, and their logo, that kind of, you know, so the basic things, but it's all dynamically done, right? So we're basically, you can do vanity URLs, we can detect who's coming in and change these things in real time. So the content can be, I've got late stage content because the account's in late stage, I also have role-based content. So if you've got role-based content, so you could literally have all this stuff changing dynamically based on the visitor, really, and the account. So you think about it in sort of two, two different ways. So this is sort of a, a one-to-one approach that she was doing. On the next slide, what we were kind of thinking through was this is where it kind of moved into how do we now take that same approach of being bespoke, but because we're relying on, so this is like, if they're not on Lisa's list of 100 accounts, we want to give them an experience that's in market based on their buying stage. But as you guys know, the dirty little secret of intent data, right? It's about 50% accurate. 60 was the highest based on the stuff that we had studies that we've done. So a good match rate, usually high, 80% match rate, but accuracy is off. So which therein lies the problem, right? So I'm going after Amazon, but oops, I got Pepsi instead, right? So I've showed the wrong logo. So terrible experience, right? So at the end of the day, it was, look, we know the accounts in market. We know that they're in a particular stage. Maybe that logo because the IP to C match was off, but everything else is real, right? So we said, look, let's do this. Let's not show an account rep. Let's not show a logo. And let's make sure that, you know, we had to go build this functionality. So we, we did it for Lisa basically and launched it in, in February for her to, to run this campaign. But essentially what it is, is it allows her now to just have an always on campaign. So anybody who's coming in, and they are not in market and they're not on her list, they go to her content hub, they're gonna to go to her landing pages, our AI engine works and helps them educate them on you know, who we are and who's you know what, what they have to offer, what can solve their business problems, et cetera, right? Moving them into market. If they get in market, they now get a completely different experience. They're gonna get a bespoke experience based on the stage of buying they're in. So the content's changing, all the banners are changing, all the calls to action, all that stuff changes. And if they move to a different stage of buying, all that stuff moves. So within 24 hours, it's basically a six sense move, right? 24 hours later, that same person comes back, they could get a completely different experience than before. Uh, and I think that's where you have, you know, this whole 
buying stage experience that you can blend across everything. So no matter what, if, if somebody came in, they got this, you know, blank and they came to one of these ABM pages, we can detect who they are and say, hey, look, they're coming in, they're from this account, we're going to drop into this Adobe account thing, right? If they're not on that, what stage are they in? Let's drop in one of those. And if they're not any of those, we, we put them somewhere else, basically to the hub, right? And allow them to educate themselves. So that's really the the kind of the pieces that were relevant for Lisa in terms of what she's doing, because all that content you saw, you know, a couple slides earlier, right? All that basically gets mapped into logic in our content hub. So she's got it cataloged in there so that we know where it's coming from. So that when we read a signal, if it's an industry signal, if it's a size of company signal, role, whatever the heck it is, right? We're offering content based on those, those attributes. So again, you, you, you have to do, you know, the, obviously the homework up front, you have to have content. And, and the one thing I've seen that doesn't work, you can have the best experience in the world, but if your content sucks, you're still not going to convert. <laughs> you know I mean, so you've really got to make sure you have your content right, refreshed and make sure you're, you're sort of, you're serving at the right time. And I think that's kind of where this whole experience changes because it's not like you're just giving them gobbledygook to go look at and they have to go, you know, here's the most recommended content and that kind of stuff. This is, look, this is based on the stage of buying I'm in right now. Let's move me through because everybody in that company, right, is going to start to understand where they are and based on their role. I don't know, Lisa, if you want to add anything else on this too. Yeah, yeah. I went back to this one just to add a couple pieces. So to James' point, like we had, it was like a hundred and around 150 actually named accounts for this and how we picked the accounts for this particular use case is, is a little bit different than like what I was doing at a primo, but it all came down to the reps naming their tier one accounts, then putting that list into six cents and seeing what buying stage they're in. Then we eliminated all the accounts that were not in a consideration, decision, or purchase making stage. And I'm sorry, we eliminate, yeah, that we're not in a so later stage, we wanted accounts to be in a later stage because we weren't going to do a one-to-one -one experience with accounts that were earlier. Like we didn't think they were ready for that. They just still need to like figure out who we were, right? And then, then we, we had to set up one page. To, I just want to make sure that's clear. Like this is why it's scalable. And then the rest is plug and play. All of these things in the yellow boxes were pulled in based on intent data. Who is the account? Who is the rep map to that account? What are the keywords they were searching for? What stage are they in? Meaning that helps us to decide what content should get put up there and what call to action should get put up there. And then the bot is also mapped into that intent data and knows who the person is. So then if they if they're a known person, we can customize the bot too. So that was this one to one. And then to James's point here, like this one to many, we just basically we put on this fuzzy filter so that it's not saying Adobe or somebody else because we didn't want to get it wrong. But we still know they were searching for this, they're in this stage, so we can still customize the content and the experience in a relevant way just it's a little more generic and we can do it one to many this way. And so we had like five different themes running that we built out this way. So we had one for ramp time, we had one for sales kickoff, we had one for my gosh, I'm like blanking out now because 
uh, onboarding on to a new thing, right? <laughs> but the, we um, five different ones and then the yeah. content built for each stage and for all the personas for all those. So it took a lot of work to get all that set up, but once it's set up, it's scalable. Yeah, I think on, on this stage stuff, right? I think the other key piece is back to why she fired the last guy for UTMs. So thinking through, we also take, when that account comes through, even if it's not on her list, what we do is, so in Hushley, we're taking that account now and we start to track activity. So we load that account as part of her list that's in market and we start tracking activity by, you know, basically by the visitor, right? What they're doing on that page. So all that stuff starts to show up dynamically as well. Uh, and we start tracking the activity. So part of that is, again, back to the measurement so that you, they can now, the minute somebody comes through and maybe converts on something, right, and they start moving to a different stage, all that activity is there, no matter if they're on that list or not, they are now basically in the database and they can see exactly what's going on. So they'll know, like, these are my decision purchase people right now, right? Here's all the accounts that we have in here doing things. Hey, if somebody's really big, they've got a lot of activity, let's move them to a, a really highly bespoke experience. Let's put an account rip in there, let's make an account rip video. And let's start driving, you know, these people to this page that's a little bit more down, you know, down funnel. We can have some conversations. So, you know, I just wanted to make sure we kind of nailed home some of the things because there is some metrics involved in some of that stuff as well. It's not like we just give them a cool experience. Then who were they? Right. She's actually able to see all that stuff as well. Right. So it's pulling through in like the Hushly dashboard. (laughs) Well, this is Adobe's, the account Adobe. Right. When you were, when you were targeting Adobe, basically. Right. So we are targeting Adobe, right? So now we can see here's all the engagement that they're having in Hushly. And we're, we can pull that in to our timeline to in Salesforce and see it at the account level. And then this is my six cents iframe in Salesforce at the account level for Adobe. So it's showing you all the keywords they've been searching for it's plotted out over time. You can look at it in different views, but this shows you which stage they're in and you can drill down into all this then to start to see what were they engaging with? Who was engaging with what? Did they open that email? Were they on this content? Did they share the content? Did they look at three pieces of content? You know, so all of that feeds into this predictive modeling and you can, you know, there's a lot more depth in here, but (laughs) You know, this starts to pull in a whole bunch of insights for you to leverage in your outbound motion. And James, I know there's more like you guys just launched this Chrome. Yeah, we have a cool, it's a, and I just, again, don't blame the messenger. I always like branding this thing, the Hushly sales assist. So, but anyway, it's a, what it is, it's a Chrome plugin. And it allows you as the rep. So think of this way. It's, it's so it's it's synced up with with your CRM, right? So, um, but it allows the rep to understand what are what's going on with his accounts, right? So if, is there activity on, on any of his accounts that are happening? And and it'll be just an alert that sort of goes, you know, on the Chrome plugin, right? And you can see you can drill into saying, here's the account. You can what's actually happening? Who's the person? What are they doing? And then you can actually take action in there as well. So you can you get alerts. You can see things, but you can also take an action and invite others to one of your ABM pages. So it allows you to do a little bit more, but it sort of brings that that rep sort of experience in there as well. So it gives them the ability to sort of take some action and not just sort of wait for marketing to kind of roll something up. Like, hey, I'm seeing activities happen in my accounts and I should probably go do something here. I should have a conversation. I should reach out to this person. So it kind of, it just, it adds to that, that experience in terms of giving uh, a little bit more visibility, I guess, more than anything else back to the rep, right? Because their name is obviously on these pages. 
and you could do a calendar link and you know set meetings with these people. So you might as well at least give them the idea of what else they're able to see on there. That's it. Right. Well, and I'll say our chat bot was linked up to it too, right? So they yeah, were exactly. getting notifications. If, you know, so kind of goes well into the next slide here, which is, I mean, you've got to be working with your sales team. If you're in B2B and you're moving to an account-based motion, figure out how to work with your sales team. <laughs> and um, one of the things we did that was a game changer was built a dashboard for them utilizing their stages. And then also there's the six cents modeling, but pulling in their accounts and they can change and search by their own person or an RVP can look at their territory and see what's happening. And we're serving up for them. Here's how many accounts have MQA'd that you haven't contacted. Here's the ones that you have reached out to that are still in a decision purchase stage that you, you know just need to stay on top of. We pull in G2 intent separately. So there's a you know a separate bucket for G2 intent. And we're trying to get our follow-up times down. So we're we're measuring how long it's taking them for them to follow up. So we've got that up there. That's too long, by the way. Just for those oh, that's, that's actually like, should be red. <laughs> like, I know, I was thinking that. 16 too, days is a long time, but no, we try to keep it. We we're trying to keep it under 48 hours. That was the SLA that we'd agreed to. So anyway, we, we were serving all this up for them and trying to make it as easy as possible for them to find it. And then the other thing is, so most sales teams have a sales stage model. And so what we did was we, we, of course, we had to um, take this marketing qualified account the top of the funnel part that I was showing you earlier, that sideways funnel thing. But then we aligned the rest of it to the rest of the sales stages. And there's a way more in-depth chart for this. But then what we started to do is just kind of look at everything within this box is like the marketing responsibility part right, right now, right? Eventually, I'd like to see us going across retention and expansions too. But for now, like not going to throw stones, right? We need to get the house in order at the top of funneling and get more opportunities. So that's what we are focusing on. So just think the biggest thing for me is you should always be tweaking. You should always be tracking. You should always be kind of looking at what's working and what's not. So we got our top of funnel motion moving really well. We were getting enough qualified accounts to work. But what we started to find after we got that part fixed is that they were not turning into meetings at a high enough percentage rate. Of the ones that were turning into meetings, we had a 71% conversion rate to closed one, which was huge. Like that was a huge, huge improvement, but we had a third of the amount of meetings that we needed. So we still weren't making our numbers. So then the effort starts to become on how do we get from marketing qualified to a meeting. So just, you know, always looking what's happening, understanding the problem and working on refining, refining, refining. Wait, um, don't, forget, don't forget to tell me what the problem was though. Oh, the problem was our messaging and not having BDRs really trained to deliver that message properly. So 
<laughs> you know, kind of a big one. Um, big one. <laughs> but but it, it goes the BDRs back were the long pole in the tent on that whole thing, just so you guys know. <laughs> and the BDRs were on my team. I mean, it was just a matter of we created five new themes, yeah. 100 new pieces of content, built out our persona stuff. In and you got to train them. Three months. And yeah, then we had to take the time, you know, got to take the time to really train them and the AEs too, because it's, yeah. even if they schedule the meeting and you have the meeting, you've got to make sure that what they saw on that landing page that compelled them enough to have a conversation with you gets pulled through. So it's a lot of work. <laughs> Woo. So yeah. Just keep measuring and refining your process. It'll it'll always change. Um, as soon as you think you got it figured out, something else will happen. <laughs> yeah. um, but really here, one of the things I'll say that program that was the one-to-one, you know, this was the first, it was a pilot. It was the first thing coming out of the gates that we tried once we got the intent data set up and the content hub set up the way we wanted it. And so some of the things I was trying to do is just prove out that like this was a valid motion and that we wanted to do more of it. So we found that accounts in this campaign were 15 times more likely to open an opportunity in the first, I don't know, 90 days, hundred days, we created about $2 million in pipeline from it. So that means that it was a sales qualified opportunity. And we were also tracking if something was not a marketing qualified account versus if it was, what the conversion rate to a sales qualified, well, it says lead here, but we were calling them opportunities. So SQO, it was 73% versus 33%. So back to even working with your sales team, like starting to put these numbers in front of them, starting to have other people, sales people on the team get on the weekly calls and talk about the success that they're having to back up your numbers. It's not just some screenshot that marketing's, you know, faking, um, you know, getting champions within the organization to help back you up, you know, believers that really made the biggest difference for us in, in being able to get, I mean, we, we really started to, to crush it. Right. So we were seeing 93% growth quarter over quarter for the last three quarters. So question yeah. for you. You got one question coming in. All right. And this one's from Juliana. So thank you, Lisa. Congrats. Uh, question. I have a sales team's dedicated and so focused on leads. So it's what she's saying, right? TQLs, conversion rates, TQLs, BDRs. How do you suggest to handle that kind of mindset, right? To moving from that mindset into this marketing qualified accounts, et cetera? You know, you got to know your audience and what they care about. And I'd say most of the time they care about revenue. So if you can start positioning things in a way that you're talking about revenue first and then backing out from there, they're going to start caring less about leads. So like for the first couple board meetings that I went to when we were starting to make this transition and it was more at a primo, we showed leads. We still had the double funnel. We showed leads and then we showed 
how we were creating an account-based motion, the improved conversion rates. We, we set up a pilot, right? We were still doing this other thing. And then we set up a pilot and we showed how that was working. And they're like, oh, we want more of that, right? We want more of that 9% from 9% conversion rate to the 40% conversion rate. We want more of the 40% conversion rate. And that was when we're like, all right, well, we need technology to scale, right? So then the next meeting is like, all right, we're scaling. We're able to handle this many accounts now instead of what we were doing. And we're still seeing this, these conversion rates and it's, it's going really well. You know, by the third board meeting, they're like, we don't care about those leads. We, we want more of this, right? This is what's working. And so that was how we did it there. When I went into MindTickle, well, like when I was at Sixth Sense, it was completely different because it was their own technology. So, you know, care. But right. um, with MindTickle, well, first of all, they didn't have UTM parameters. <laughs> so they weren't really <laughs> able, I'm not, no joke, like everything was in an Excel spreadsheet and they weren't really able to measure the things that you should be measuring anyway. So it was easier for me to say, okay, I have to build all new dashboards and start measuring things from scratch anyhow. So this is how I want to build it. And I started showing them examples of things I've done. Are we behind this? Yes. Okay. Now I'm going to start building it out and worked very closely with the RevOps team. Again, like aligning everything to the stages in the sales cycle. We looked at, here's how much revenue we need. This is our ACV. This is how many accounts it's going to take at our current win rates to get there. So this is what marketing needs to produce. And so I just started saying, all right, marketing needs to send over 650 accounts this month that are marketing qualified that meet all this criteria. That's what we're going to measure because these are the conversion rates that we mapped out. And and these are our goals and projections of how we're going to get there. So what was your time frame on that? So Paul's got a question. How long did it take to kind of get to that stage where you're, I mean, and so think in terms of everything, I think it does take time to get six cents set up just as an FYI and mm-hmm. share, share that pain. So there is, there is certain things that do take time and technology takes time. And I think, you know, actually an interesting use case, at least maybe we'll step back and go back is she's starting her new job on, on Monday. She's going to have that basically that same issue, right? Going in and having to convince people who are on an MQL, SQL, whatever, right? Model and having to move that. And I think the advice on those things is don't go in with the great grand plans and trying to change things day one, right? The idea is blend. You've got to get in there and, and blend that stuff out, right? And, and, and show early, early wins of what you can do and where, and where technology can help you and then start to introduce your model over time, right? I think that's kind of the, the key takeaway on that one. At least it's definitely what worked for you here, right? Yeah, I mean, we were gangbusters. We just got a hundred million in funding. I had buy-in before I got there. And I had people set up to make it happen quickly and it still took six months. And like, you know, James was on board and we had a third party vendor that James recommended that came in and helped us scale those first 150 campaigns. Cause I, you know, I still needed to get recordings from every single sales rep, build out nurtures, build out sequences. <laughs> so, Everything. I mean, it's it's heavy lift. I mean, there's 
look, getting it's no joke to get set up on some of this stuff. I think, you know, I mean, your whole six to nine months on just getting six cents set up because that's a foundational element of, of A, your reps understanding, are these the key phrases and keywords that we don't want to be tracking against, you know, and, and understanding who's in market, not in market. And those are all going to be, you, it takes time. And I think you have to understand your customer, make sure you understand your ICP before you just for just buy some of this stuff. Right. And I think it, everything, right. but once you're going, it's just, then you're back to tweaking and making sure you've got the right thing. Like the SDR problem was a late stage problem. Look, we were losing things as we now know everything else is working great. This fell off. And I think those are, those are critical things, as you know, as all the marketers on here know. I think just be you'll be aware that obviously this stuff doesn't happen overnight <laughs> because we right. know it doesn't. Um, I mean, the other thing to that point is, so what I'm walking into now is a completely night and day situation. It's Series A. I've got one marketer on the team and somebody we just hired, and I mean, they don't really have a, any kind of emotion right now. It's all acts of heroics. Right. So we just we need to hit our next quarter's numbers and I'm not going to come in and try to put in this whole new right. system coming out of the gates. They know I want to do it. Right. But there's a certain maturity and amount of effort like you have to outweigh, you know, one thing over the other. Like we're not ready for it yet. When are we ready for it? You know, I, I think part of it's going to depend on our growth goals and part of it's going to depend on when we have enough of the foundation put together to be able to leverage it. And then the other part will be, there's going to be a certain point in which I'm saying, I need the intent. I need to know what are the top keywords people are searching for so we're building the right content so we have the right, right. SEO strategy so that we're able to meet people where they are in the buyer's journey on at, you know that whole beautiful orchestration piece that we were looking at. So there will be a point when it's like I'm just throwing shit up at the wall to see what sticks now and we're not going to hit our growth numbers that's not scalable. So we are going to have to invest in this and kind of rip the band-aid off and we'll probably put us behind for a quarter, but yeah. we'll make it up in the long run. So Christina's got a message uh, and so does Terry. So yeah, you can stop sharing. Maybe jump in the chat with me. So Christina's, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep interrupting Blowing you. up, all right. <laughs> um, so how do you determine how many accounts you put in the one-to-one -one campaign versus the one-to-many? I'll let you answer. I mean, I think I know the answer, but I'll, let's let you do it. Well, what I did initially was basically try to get three accounts for each AE because I felt like that was manageable for them to start learning the motion and understanding because it's a different motion because they're used to just flying, you know, blind basically. Yeah. So I didn't want to overwhelm the sales team. It was basically what we thought we could handle. When I was at a primo, we took the top 100 accounts that were showing the most intent. And then we, they were, didn't, what didn't matter if they were named accounts or not named accounts. We kind of threw out all tier one, tier two, threw that aside and said, we're looking at which accounts are in market and which ones we have the best chance to win right now, because basically we're desperate and we're, we're getting into deals too late. And 
no longer are we just going to go with a gut instinct or I know someone at this enterprise. And so it was just all based on intent. And then we like said, all right, we're going to focus on these two industries. These are the top keywords because we have the best, most fleshed out content for it. And we just kept narrowing it down and narrowing it down until we got to what we thought was our best chance to win and that we could handle. And then basically we're like, we just kept it at a hundred because that's only about how many we could handle. And was like, if this account closed one, we replace it. If it, you know, we called it a wipeout if they didn't close win or they wouldn't take a meeting after a certain amount of time, we'd replace it. But we just kept it always at around a hundred because that's what our team could handle. But it was based on certain intent criteria and being in a certain stage. Yeah. And I think that's the key, right? Is, is it's not like you're gonna have a hundred for a year, right? It's gonna be a hundred that are gonna move because some people are gonna engage and some people are not. If they're not, you wanna be moving them out. And, some, and again, everybody's different, whether that's you're waiting a few months or you're waiting a whole quarter, but that list is moving. I know, I know. Um, Same by so, Nepal. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was gonna say. The other one is, uh, so Terry asks, so do you keep, um, do you have suggestions as to how to keep sales in the loop, consistent communications one time a week, twice per week? meetings with the entire teams how are you sort of doing it and i probably both right one is on both the sales teams themselves but also the leadership and i know that's obviously a different different talk track yeah i mean i'll just start again kind of top down um my first team so i had regular meetings with the rvps and the cro just talking through strategy which accounts we should be going after is there anything happening that I should know about? What am I seeing? Sharing data with them. I mean, I was even going through their own accounts lists of the ones that were forecasted to win and then looking at the predictive modeling and basically saying, here's what I'm seeing and here's what your rep is saying. Um, just to share knowledge and to help build the trust with them and to show them like, I know these accounts inside and out and I'm paying attention. So that was at that level, um, building trust. So then the leaders trusted me. That was huge because then they're basically telling their team, you need to listen to her. You need to do it this way or you're out, right? Like they had my back big time, right? Because I had their back. And so that worked really well. But then the other thing was I had only one field marketing person, so we kind of divided and conquered, but we went on to every single regional call that were on Fridays and we would show them three slides was my thing. Like, here's what's coming that you need to know about. Here's what's currently happening. So it might be, oh, we're going to have this experience and these are the accounts of yours that have signed up. And here's the ones that we, we still think you should be trying to drive to it or whatever it is. and then here's an outcome from the last thing and what you need to know and action on. And we had just made it as easy as possible. Here's a link to the nurture or the sequences or the webinar that's coming up. Like everything was hyperlinked, like just made it as easy as possible for them to action off of. And, you know, again, every week consistently so that we could keep it short and sweet, the most important things that they needed to know. We made sure it was very, very relevant to them. We didn't tell them every single detail of what marketing was doing, 
but what they needed to know. Some of them still just didn't get it, right? They were like old habits die hard. But I'll, I'll just say that at the, at the beginning of the year when we had sales kickoff and I could, I could just tell who was getting it, who was tracking, who was asking intelligent questions and who wasn't. And even when we did this pilot and who was participating and giving us accounts and who was going into the details and like understanding what was happening and who wasn't. And I'm like, I could pretty much have said, these are going to be your top half. This is going to be your bottom half of your AEs and within like 90% accuracy. So some of it too, I'll just say is like, if they're not engaging and they just don't get it, really focus your energy on the ones that are and highlight them, show the success, let them tell their story, have them be your advocate, you know, because (laughs) that's, that's how, like, that's how you create believers is when they start to see their peers hitting their numbers because they're doing it, you know, your way. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, true. I think that's it. Well, actually uh, the AEs prospects and list focus changes four to six months out. If they don't land an opportunity, how do you keep sales focused on the list and base the decision on who stays or who gets wiped out based on response opportunity created, et cetera. Yeah, it's back to that dashboard that I showed. So that's set up by rep. Again, they can show their name or go into their name and only their accounts are gonna show up. And so if their accounts are no longer in the decision or purchase, it's dynamic. That list changes every 24, 36 hours of what are the best accounts they should be going after. But for that one-to-one campaign that we put up, we gave it a time frame. We said within 90 days, if these accounts haven't gotten to a meeting, we're changing, we're changing this up. We're sending new display ads and basically putting them into a nurture campaign instead of having what was um, an AE driven motion. Um, So even though we created all the sequences for the AEs, they had to manually go in and send all the emails. So basically after the 90 days was up, there was nothing left for the AEs to do. And if they hadn't gotten a meeting out of it, they just got put into a nurture. Um, And that was all stage-based. It was all stage-based on the intent data dynamically, like what James and I were talking through, the one-to-many stuff, like it just automatically happened. And whatever they were in their journey is then what they got put into. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.